welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Jen, I am your host today for Turn the Page. Welcome. And I am here with the author of an absolutely beautiful and thoughtful and riveting story. And I am so excited to talk about it and to learn more. So let's get right into it. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Sure. Thank you so much, Jen, for inviting me for this interview at your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Mojgan Gazirad, and I am the author of uh, the, the, the novel, The House on Sun Street. Uh, so I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing this beautiful book with me. It absolutely, I finished it last week and it just, it's really stayed with me and I found myself thinking about it a lot. And, you know, those are the ones for which it is the easiest to write interview questions because I'm just writing them the entire time. So thank you for that too. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you for reading. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about the journey to this book? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, as a and you you see the story uh, of this book is um, based on my own life experience um, back at the time of the Iranian revolution in 1979. Uh, so I started writing these um, like uh, stories of memories that I had. But then as I was writing the events and things that were happening to my life I felt like I would like to like present it uh, like a novel and what happened is that as I was writing Moji the character in my story uh, grow up and developed and formed in a way that um, a character develops in a work of fiction mm -hmm. so um, as the as the story goes on, Moji does have her own uh, uh, like uh, life and grows and comes of age in this book, which necessarily what happens to her, especially in her teenage years, not that that has happened to me. But regardless, I think that this is a um, good book, especially for young adults and um, adults as well. And that tells the story of how young girls uh, are um, growing or have problems um, with their um, growing up in a theocratic uh, country, which is more have a paternalistic view of everything and also the authoritarian regime that wants to dictate uh, everything especially to women and um, uh, regarding how they need to present in the society, how, uh, how they need to act in society and even how they should think in society. And that's how it's, it's the difficult situation for a young girl who is enthusiastic and smart and not, wants to know the world and wants to grow based on her own uh, identity. Mm. Yeah, it's a really fascinating story. And I think um, the balance between 
her internal world and what is happening to her as she grows up and the external world and all of the events and the instability and the oppression that's going on around her um, interact in in very dramatic and interesting ways. Um, And another thing, if we could start with, I love stories in which stories are important and stories do play a really big role in this book. Um, Could you talk a little bit about the role played by um, the Arabian Night stories? Because I think they function thematically and sort of like a survival strategy for for Moji. Could you talk about that? Sure. So uh, as you may know, this is a old folklore. Like they claim that this, I mean, we claim that these stories are um, based on um, old Persian folk- folklore stories and they go about 400 to 500 BC at the time. And some people say that most probably the narrator or Shahra, I mean, the, the Shahrazad who's saying the story is basically Prince Homai, who becomes the queen of um, uh, Prince ba- uh, Queen Bahman uh, mm-hmm. in, at that time. And originally, the stories were written in Pahlavi, which is the language of old Iranian mm-hmm. Iranians. But then the manuscript, Pahlavi manuscript, was uh, lost forever. And apparently, these stories were were like translated to Sanskrit. And so now you can see that the stories are kind of like mixed and comes the Indian flavor in them. And then they later on were translated to Arabic. And then now you see a big change um, that comes about the caliphs, the Islamic rulers and the Islamic society in Baghdad and Basra comes in place for these stories. So the, what 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 happens is that in the in, in the the European world because the first person Antoine Gaillard I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly first translated this book from um, Arabic to Persian and he named it the I'm sorry Arabic to French mm-hmm. and that's why they have the name of Arab uh, Arabia, Arabian Nights but the, the the original name of the book apparently was called Hazar Afsan which means 1,000 stories. Mm. And I became interested in this book because my grandfather, well, you can imagine that you are a five-year-old and you are so excited going around and then your grandfather one night comes and tells you, hey, I want to tell you a story. And he starts beginning with a story of like, like, having ifrits in them genes in them and the princesses and beautiful queens so as you can imagine it's so fascinating for a five-year-old child five-year-old girl who is like living in this magical world and so suddenly he becomes and tells me the stories and he I feel like he bewitched me with the stories and made a lasting effect in my mind about how beautiful these stories were and how I connected as I was a child. So I thought because it was something that I loved and um, and I think that as Borges says, Luis Borges says that this is such an interesting read, an important read for people who really want to have an idea how stories work. I think that um, I I found it like a good trellis for the stories of my novel. Mm, that is a fascinating history. And 
I am particularly struck by the fact that, you know, the the history of the story's provenance and how it traveled is itself a story of displacement. <laughs> and that is exactly you're right. Yeah. Wow. And what also what I love about that, how the just the um, you know, the way that in the story, Shahrazad is using stories in order to survive day by day, night by night. And that's sort of what, you know, Moji comes to do too. Like story, you know, I think we tend to think of stories as entertainment or as distractions from our everyday life. But I think this really shows that stories become a part of our everyday life and who we are and we use them every day, you know? Yes, absolutely right. And um, I would tell you that in history of Iran, which is like full of like um, the sad moments of invasions by different other different nations. What have kept what has kept this nation together is this power of stories. We see that, like for example, at the time of like when um, the um, from the Arabic Peninsula people came by and brought the new Islamic religion to Iran. Uh, what kept people was this back-to-back stories of kings, now that we call it the Shahnameh. And then they, actually, people kept these stories in their hearts. And 400 years later, after the uh, like introduction of Islam in Iran, Ferdowsi comes and writes the epic poems of 60,000 couplets of Shahnameh and actually restores the stories of Persian glory again. So that's how people actually, it has become like a survival skill for our nation so that people live by the stories and keep them. Then, And I feel like this is because of the specific way our nation is i don't know i'm if it is a good thing or bad but we have survived so many invasions in our countries from the east from the west that they have come accustomed to if they want to like keep their identity they have to safeguard the stories Mm -hmm. in their books so that's how how that has happened and maybe in my common you know that we have this common wisdom in us without unconsciousness knowing that if you want to say a story go ahead and look back and see what has been there and Mm -hmm. then how you how your ancestors survived so you do the same oh it's lovely um so this is your first novel i'm correct right but it's not your the first thing you've written you have done essays and short stories. And I'm wondering, um, what new challenges uh, did you encounter in writing something full length? And uh, maybe what new strategies you developed? Was a novel a big change for you after short writing? Okay. Well, um, I, th- I don't think the challenge was writing a book a length uh, of fiction. Uh, it was not writing a novel that was a challenge. But what was challenging for me was writing in my um, second language or writing in English because I was originally writing my short stories in Farsi. Mm. And I have actually written three collection of short stories that are published in Farsi outside the United States. The first one in Iran and second, the second and third in Europe. So for me, the challenge was to write in English and I wanted to do this because I felt that this was something that I could do instead of writing this novel in Farsi and wanting somebody else to translate it I felt like I will be it was a challenge but I thought I I I I thought that I can do it and I was so um so so and then I 
at the same time started like doing an at low residency MFA. And so I decided to write this novel at that time and work on this. And that really helped because I did go to a lot of peer review workshops and people really like had criticism about the story and the story developed as I was doing my MFA. And so obviously I uh, had to do a lot of revisions after this came out as the manuscript for my MFA uh, as any book that comes out from an MFA, I guess. But uh, regardless, I think that this was the challenge for me to write in another language, which I will say, I mean, not that I didn't have exposure to English. Obviously, I lived in the United States before when I was a child, but to be able to write a novel in another language was something that I, um, I think that that was the thing that I did and I'm happy and proud that I was able to do it. Wow. Yeah, that is really amazing. And that is quite a new challenge, you know, to write something full length and to write in a language in which you've never written before. Because I imagine that, yeah, speaking and writing are almost entirely different uh, <laughs> mental, uh, you know, cognitive processes in a way, you know. And speaking of which, something that I'm very interested in is um, the ways in which this novel is, um, you know, a little bit autobiographical but also a little bit fictionalized and um that you have a for part of the story a a young protagonist and i'm wondering you know especially when you're writing about growing up during um a historical event that is very well documented and that was very charged and emotionally um emotionally charged for a lot of people um how do you get yourself back into the mindset of the child who doesn't know what's going to happen, you know, because as adults, we have the benefit of hindsight and we know how things turned out. But like, did you find yourself having to get back into that perspective of being in the middle of events when you don't know what's going to happen? Um, well, yes, as you're saying, this was another challenge because obviously the history of the Iranian revolution at 1979 and the, the, the events that happened afterward is something that is well documented and so many people in the world know about it and have done scholarly work about it. And um, yes, this was the historical background of my story, of my novel. But what it was important for me, which I tried to do in this book, is that to see what was the emotional challenge or world of a young girl growing in this historical background, in this like a backdrop of violence and backdrop of changes and that it's too uh, fast and too uh, overwhelming even for adult people at that time. So I always went back and thought about specifically when I was writing the chapters that so how was Moji thinking at this point when these things were happening for her well when she is going to a new school when she is told to that she has to observe hijab this is the first time she understands well this hair on my my head is something that I need to cover which I didn't know before which she does didn't know and the emotions she has that comes up, are they okay or they are not okay in a, in a society that does not talk about these. You see, in the United States, people talk a lot about 
sexuality, about feminism, about all these things you can read about them and you're over there, even in schools, I know that some schools might not have, but there are less, I mean, they go over physiologic changes that happens in you. I know some parents can opt out, but this is provided. So the kids, when they go through these changes are not completely unfamiliar with what's happening. But in our society at that time, I cannot speak of Iran right now, which I'm not sure what is exactly, but I'm pretty think I'm I'm thinking pretty much the same from the Islamic educational standpoint that they're doing in the country. But for me, or for the girls like me, or for Moji in the story, all these were unknown to her. She doesn't know and nobody speaks and she thinks changed she understand changes in her without knowing what's happening and that's overwhelming and scary it makes her anxious because she doesn't know and nobody is there so that she can go and she's desperate to know but then she goes and thinks okay well maybe i should ask my my uh like like uh, uh parents but the parents are not in the relationship i mean they're like way too high to be talked about these personal things sister doesn't know much that about that like her and she goes to school and unfortunately she has to go and find out if is there a book that talks about these things the things that is happening to her so this is uh, this is this this is this, this challenges that Moji goes through in the story. Yeah, it's really poignant too, you know, because on the one hand, they are struggles that every young woman, you know, coming into her adulthood experiences, but it is so complicated by the historical context, especially I think because gender roles were in such chaos, you know, and so how do you figure out your place in society when society doesn't even really know yet because things are changing every day. Um, could you talk a little bit about, um, you know, something I also thought fascinating was that you have um, the struggles in Iran and then also struggles on this side of the ocean, you know, when they leave because America is not a hundred percent welcoming all the time. Um, could you talk a little bit too about that aspect of the story and you know how how history can change how people treat each other? You know because the the part about the hostage crisis and how that really affected how other Americans treated them reminded me a lot of being in America right after 9-11, when a lot of my Muslim friends were all of a sudden being treated very differently for the first time in, in our lives, you know? So yeah, could you talk about that aspect too? And that trouble of, you know, having to leave your home and then not even really being 100% welcome in the new home? Yes. As you said, it was a point in time. And then it you can also see that this is reflected also in the Moji's story, because mm -hmm. now you come to you are fleeing from a country that is not is not the home that you thought was. Things have changed and are changing and you are scared and for your family and your parents that they're going to be harmed in that country. And then now you come to another part of the world which you think oh they're going to welcome you and then you go to school and they say oh no people are 
still associating you who you don't have anything to do with those people who are go going up on the wall of the Amer American embassy in Tehran. And you have no idea that, I mean, you are just a little kid and no, don't know anything. So it is, it is sad when it happens and kids like kept bothering Moji and then like in a mean way, which made her think, well, is this house? Is this my home? And making her think about why are people reacting to her in this, in such a way? And she has nothing to do with this world. I mean, she has never been enemy to anybody. She has not harmed people. The fact that she's just named like the people who have done these atrocities back in Tehran doesn't make her be like that. So yeah, and then this is how she realizes the world can be cruel to people. And the lucky thing about Moji is that she has a supporting family that even though the world is so cruel outside, she can have the support and from the family that will protect her from what's happening. And the same thing happens when she comes back to Iran too. So, I mean, yes, it's but it's it's it it's how the the story goes on. You know, I I try to show those emotions of a young girl when she observes. It's more like an observant in this world and then internalizes what's happening from outside in herself and thinking about it and her thoughts, how she understands and how she reacts to them. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so lovely. And I really, I really did just love sitting with this book and thinking about it and, and feeling a lot of things about it too. And I'm curious, um, do you think you'll write another novel? I know that, you know, you have a another day job that occupies a lot of your time as a NICU doctor, but do you think this is something you'll revisit? Yes, actually I have finished a novel, which I'd write now. I am revising like, and I'm going through like the revisions on it. And then, so yeah, I am hopeful that by uh, the end of the year and the following months, I'll be able to uh, send the book to the new book to my agent and see if we can sell that one. So, yeah. Well, I'm very excited to read that too. So I hope it sells very quickly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for joining us. And thank you listeners for joining us too. Please check out the house on Sun Street. I promise you, you won't regret it. It is an absolutely beautiful story. And I think it's going to change the way you think about history and the way you think about stories. And I love that. <laughs> thank you so much thank for joining us. <laughs> thank you so much, Jen, for the opportunity to have an interview with you. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. All right, listeners, it's time to close this chapter. Goodbye. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode. Thank you.